Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to your community spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30 right here on WDBX 91.1. Good morning. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine, your hands-on guide to sustainable living. Today's news is about honey. Our use of honey goes back so far into the past, no one really knows when early humans first discovered it. Confirmed uses go back thousands of years. For example, the ancient Egyptians used honey as part of the embalming process. Honey has been used for thousands of years as a food preservative, and it's thought this began in Asia and India to preserve cakes and baked goods. The Bible mentions a land flowing with milk and honey, while the... Skin lotions, but it's very likely these uses were already very common. Vikings and northern cultures made an alcoholic drink from fermented honey known as mead, which gave rise to the early English word for spiced mead, methaglin, and over the centuries became our modern word for medicine. In fact, honey does indeed have mild antiseptic properties and has been used in natural medicine practices for as long as any records are available. For all its history, honey is still a favorite modern pastry and is being used to cut down on processed and refined sugars in their diets today. A cup of natural honey has a sweetening equivalent of a cup and a quarter of refined sugars, so when cooking and baking with honey as a substitute, you can cut back slightly on the amount listed in the recipe. Since honey is a gooey liquid, you should also cut back about a quarter cup of liquid for each cup of honey used in recipes. Using honey for cakes and cookies is fairly common, not to mention using honey as a sweetener for teas and beverages. But there's a wide range of uses in the kitchen for honey that the savvy cook can employ. Children will eat their carrots if you cook them first in a little bit of butter until tender, then toss with a few tablespoons of honey before serving. Fresh honey mustard sauce is a snap. Just mix equal parts honey with Dijon mustard and serve with seafoods, crab cakes, or chicken. A terrific balsamic honey vinaigrette salad dressing is made by whisking vinegar, honey, olive oil, salt, and pepper. Don't soak a salad with this mixture. Simply drip it on a tablespoon at a time over fresh garden salads. For a really decadent taste treat, melt two tablespoons of butter, add a half teaspoon of cinnamon to a half cup of honey, and toss it all together with three cups of pecans. Then, bake it on a flat pan for ten minutes until the honey-toasted pecans are ready. If you're lucky enough to have any left over, be sure to seal them tightly in an airtight jar. 
More information, complete recipes, and additional honey recipes for eggplant, custard pie, and old-fashioned honey cake are available in issue number 81 of Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. Back Home is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, this is Ned Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And you are listening to Your Community Spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tresong. And we do have a lot of news, but we even have more local news. But first, the happenings. So, we have several happenings. One happening coming up tonight is a film called 9-11 Press for Truth. And it's uh, tonight at 8 p.m. at the Interfaith Center, which is located at 913 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale. And I've heard a little bit about this film. It's apparently like people, I think some of the people involved may have actually had loved ones who passed away in the attack. And so they were very interested to know what happened, what really happened at the World Trade Center. So it's, it, it goes over some aspects of things that were left out of like the 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 9-11 commission report and all that so it sounds really interesting and it sounds pretty you know like i don't know what i'd call it moderate maybe where like it doesn't go into an extreme conspiracy mode and say you know all these it's actually just reporting what's the news yeah it's actually just asking questions because you know there's some ideas about what the answers to those questions may be but we at least have to ask the questions to have reasonable dialogue. Okay, where's that again? That's once again, it's at the Interfaith Center, uh, 913 South Illinois in Carbondale, and it starts at 8 p.m., and I may even go there myself. Ooh. Um, November is Native American Heritage Month, and, um, well, it started November 1st. I have a calendar of events. Basically, every Monday through Thursday for the whole month, there is something happening. Um, if you want a list of the happenings, um, you can go online. Actually, I can't find it. <laughs> uh, but it is online. You can uh, contact us and we'll get that website to you when we find it. There also is tons and tons of stuff on WSIU TV. Yes. Over the month. I already got to see one thing on urban Indians. There, there is, well, there's a lot of Indians who live in large cities. Yeah. And they're trying to not lose their identity, but also, you know, be themselves. Yeah. And, um, anyway, this one would be, sounds really interesting. Next Wednesday at Fainer Hall at the University Museum Auditorium, Illinois Indians... Curriculum and Instruction, Social Studies Ph.D. candidate Dan Hetchenberger brings the story of the Native Americans in Illinois into historical times. He's focused on a little-known aspect of our state's past, the early history of the Illinois Indians. The state of Illinois takes its name from the Illinois Indians who resided in this region when the French arrived in the latter half of the 17th century. This group included the Kaskaskia, Peoria, Cahokia, Moniwanga, 
Mitya Maya and others. The exhibit will present views of the Illinois Indians through the focus of their relationships with the land, other Indians, the French, the British, and the Americans. So, that's next Wednesday at the University Museum Auditorium. Yes, at 7 p.m., right? That's correct. And there actually is, from November 1st through December 15th, Native American exhibits at the University Museum. So... Yes, so it's a big month of events. Otherwise, next Thursday, Black Indians. Have you heard much about this? Um, no, I haven't. It sounds interesting. Though. Basically, during you know the Civil War, a lot of slaves escaped to well, escaped horrors to live. I mean, in the mind of a lot of people, to escape into the wilderness was worse. But um, for the minds of a lot of Black people, this was a future. Yeah. And they escaped and they joined the Indians and they became, well, black Indians. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's, you know, oftentimes people in our oppressed groups end up having to work together and, you know, that's part of what this whole situation arose from. So it's very interesting. I'd like to learn more. So that's, yeah, that's happening uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. in the student center on the second floor Mississippi. And the most important thing happening next week is voting. Did you know you could actually vote ahead of time this year? Oh yeah, I did. I did know about that. For two weeks, um, up to five days, I think, before the election. So yesterday was the last day you could do early voting. I think that's correct. Um, now, in Illinois, that's a new law that for two weeks before the election, up to, a, you know, few days before the actual election you can early vote and then mm-hmm. on the actual day itself yeah uh, that's 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. next Tuesday you can vote and I'm looking over a sample ballot <laughs> and the interesting thing is for all the state positions um, well to run the state not all the state positions but to run the state there are your typical Democrats and Republicans, but there is a complete slate of Greens. Yes, there is. <laughs> For Governor and Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General, Secretary of State, Comptroller, Treasurer, all have Greens running. Yes. And, um, well, if they get, what is it, 5 or 6% of the vote, they actually will be established as a party in the state. Yeah, and that's a very high possibility because, you know, Rich Whitney is... Last I heard, he's polling somewhere over 10% statewide, so <laughs> it's possible. So that's good news. Now I get to do my tirade at the pissed-offness. <laughs> I'm looking here, and for all our local people, there is someone who's running unopposed. Yeah. Every slot, except one, where Green is running. Mike Boss is running, of course, to be reelected, and... Um, there is a candidate, Charlie Howe, Green, who's running against him. Otherwise, I'm going to give you the list of the candidates who have nobody running against them. For representative in Congress, okay, 12th Congressional District, that's here, nobody running against Jerry Costello. Yeah. For state senator, nobody running against David Lichtefeld. Yeah. Okay. For county clerk and recorder, nobody's running against Larry Reinhardt. 
For County Treasurer, nobody's running against Shirley Dillinger Booker. For County Sheriff, nobody's running against Robert Burns. And for Regional Sec Superintendent of Schools, nobody's running against Robert Cohen. Yeah, I should have run for one of those. Uh that's all our local, all our local positions, yeah. including our representatives to state Congress and our state representative. Yeah. Nobody's running against them. I'm not saying they're not good people. Yeah, but still, it's good to have, you know, options. This is our political process, uh -huh. and this is a trend that is nationwide. Yes. That people are reaching the point where they don't care yeah. because... Um, well, care to run for actual office, but people don't even care to actually vote. Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in both. I might run for office someday, but in the more short term, I'm going to vote. And, you know, it's actually a very big decision for me because, you know, I'm really opposed to sort of the... some of the political structure we have in place now, but it's, it's a way I see it of, you know, saying that I want to participate in, like, in the public arena. And, like, even if I go and want to write in all write-in candidates or I go and, like, turn in a blank one, it still shows, you know, I want to do something, but it's not these, these two options that I've been given. Well, I think there should be a couple things for voting. First of all, you should be able to vote for a month. I mean, it should just be open. I mean, when I told you they're having the early polling, yeah, it's from 11 to 2 o'clock. Okay? Yeah, that's one a little spot. Well, I mean, you can go to the county courthouse any time during the day. Yeah. But most people don't want to go through the metal <laughs> detector. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. the early voting reminded me of a saying we have in uh, where I grew up in the Chicago area. Vote early, vote often. And vote even if you're dead. Yes. <laughs> but, um, so, have a long period of time to vote. I understand in Oregon, you can mail in your vote. Set it up that there can be, you know, computerized voting online. Yes, I mean, if they can do if they can do our money online, they can do voting online. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Our money is something important for us. Voting is this little thing we do occasionally. The other two things. So, a long time to vote because, well, a lot of people don't have the time to take off, you know, half a day sometimes to go vote or if they're lucky, shorter time. Yeah. Um, another thing is, well, there has to be a minimum percentage of voting. <laughs> okay? At least 51% of the registered eligible voters have to vote in the election for the election to be viable. <laughs> and then the third one, have a choice on the ballot. None of the above. Yeah, they should. How many people will vote if they had that choice. Yeah, and there are places that do that. Not, not in the U.S. Well, maybe some small. There is. Somewhere. I've never heard that. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. They. Um, oh, let's see. And you're making this up. No, I'm serious. There are there are other countries where it's done. Like I don't think they call it literally none of the above, but they call it like you know, the, you know the the no vote option or like the no confidence. Yeah, no confidence. Yeah, it's like sort of. I mean. You could turn in a blank ballot in this country, but then it might not be counted. Right. But, if they, yeah, they should have that option that, you know, well, you put two candidates on here and neither one of them is the one I want. I do like it now. I mean, they've been talking on the news a lot about <laughs> how you cannot vote straight party anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't just check a box and say Democrat. Yeah. You've got to actually look and see. <laughs> right. You have to actually check the candidates you want. Yeah. So...
Yeah, and I'm and I'm glad to see that there are uh, other candidates than just Republicans and Democrats coming into the arena. And I, I hope uh, I hope independent candidates will win offices. <laughs> well, they're definitely doing some talking. So yeah. I I definitely like that. I like the dialogue. Yeah. I, yeah, I just saw. I actually just saw Rich on. Uh, I think it was WGN. And, you know, I saw it online since I'm. That's the Chicago station. You know. And uh, obviously I don't live there anymore, but it's on the Internet. And it was very fun to see him, you know, on, on the, the mainstream news show, like big Chicago news show, and I had a really good interview. So now that I've bashed the political process, kind of, <laughs> I get to bash uh, Walter Wendler. Uh, um, I haven't actually said anything bad about him, but now... We come down to the semantics of plagiarism. <laughs> There's a report out that said he did not plagiarize, he just borrowed. <laughs> That's not... Basically, you should actually read the report. It's only five pages. Mm -hmm. And um, the central issue is not whether acceptable or unacceptable plagiarism occurred, but whether it is appropriate to use lifted words without attribution in a document produced on a university campus where students, faculty, and administrators might must be sensitive to even the appearance of presenting another's thoughts and ideas as one's own. Now that just kind of just said, um, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. You know? <clears throat> And um, it said lifted instead of plagiarized. Because uh -huh. technically, you can't plagiarize yourself. Yeah. But supposedly, Walter Wendler, along with a couple hundred people, wrote the one here and wrote the one in Texas. Mm -hmm. so, so it's possible that, you know, some of, some of that other wording may have been someone other than uh, Wally. <laughs> But surely we can take him at his word. That <laughs> and it says lift. Yeah. It says lift in the report. And lift means, well, to steal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny to see that music euphemism, you know, like, because, uh, you know, it's, I haven't read the report, but it sounds like, you know, it's trying to be this official document, being very sensitive and explaining things. And, Without saying anything. Yeah. And lifted is, is a non you know, non-academic, you know, slang term for, like, taking something. Yeah, lifted means stealing. Yeah. Slang. So, so it's kind of ironic. So <laughs> we're playing a leadership role for the university and the region. All right, speaking of stealing, Amarin. Yeah. Now we get to, we, we're doing a good job of just, like, busting everybody's chops. Busting everybody's chops. But this, this actually, uh, I never thought I'd say this, but I think Brad Cole is my hero now. <laughs> Cause, uh, well, he's talking about doing something. Yeah, he's talking about doing something that I he like. He could be of. your hero. He could be my hero. He's he's talking as though he were my hero. Ooh. He's aspiring. He, he probably was sitting, you know, at his mayoral desk and thinking to himself, what would Trison do? <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. But this is very fascinating news because it's it is sort of a... You know, an uncommon happening, and it's uh, it's in the nightlife, it's in the southern, it's in probably a lot of places by now. But uh, the city is apparently, well, at least 
Brad Cole has suggested and the city is considering um, using eminent domain to uh, to to lift the electric power infrastructure from Ameren and have it become a you know a, a municipal civic uh, you know utility. <coughs> and it's it is kind of precedent setting because it is there are places where the you know like water for example is obviously run by city of Carbondale right now in the Carbondale area, but to transition from like a a privatized to a public one by eminent domain, that's a little less common. So uh, Erica, here's a little bit from the Southern Illinoisans coverage that Erica Abbott, a spokeswoman for the St. Louis-based utility company, that's Ameren, said Thursday that she was unaware of any other city that had sought eminent domain power to take over a power distribution system from the company. Quote, I'm not sure, but this sounds like the first of its kind, she said. And she said the legality of such a move would need to be explored, but added that Carbondale was free to consider alternatives to provide its residents with electric power. So that's very interesting, you know, because part of what sparked this controversy was the, uh, the whole depending rate hikes that are coming up, you know, with deregulation setting in, Ameren saying, oh, okay, well, we'll raise the rates a massive amount. <laughs> and so then the people in the city and in the region are questioning, you know, do they really need to raise the rates or are they just doing it because they can? Well, part of it is... Part of it is they haven't actually raised the rates in quite a few years. Yeah. The actual rates, what they've been doing is, is tacking little surcharges on different things to, well, make up the shortfall because they've not been allowed to raise the rates. Yeah. Um, price of things have gone up, but at the same time, the company is, well, making record profits. Yeah. So you have to balance it. Um, yeah, so the question in my mind is, is the whole... Is the electricity and the power in our region, does that exist in order to generate profits for a private corporation, or does it exist in order to serve the people of the region? Well, actually, technically, the second one. Um, yeah. I mean, um, it's considered a right now to have energy. I mean, not everywhere, but, um, well, for example, the city of Chicago, when they set up a contract with the utility, they have to provide them with power. That's why there is a great big renewable energy program called the Clean Energy Community Foundation because, well, Commonwealth Edison, the utility up there, got sued for not providing power and part of the settlement was a couple hundred million dollar trust fund for, well, clean energy and everything, green spaces, etc. Yeah. So, in a lot of cases, that's what's happening. Down here, we don't have as much power because, well, it's a loose coalition and there is a lot more utilities. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, this is the sort of thing I already, in my own mind, had ideas that we should run, you know, the power that way anyway. But other people who don't have any sort of ideas motivating them are just looking at the actual circumstances on the ground and saying, well, maybe it would make more sense just purely you know, for financial and self-interest reasons to make this change in how it's done. I, well, I don't know exactly how it's possible, but... Yeah, it would be, it would be a huge, you know, a huge thing. Right. And they might just be saying it as a way of telling Ameren, you know, we're not going to take, 
you know, these sorts of tactics on your part? Well, honestly, I think Amron is just saying they're going to raise it so high. Um, they 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 told the, um, the Illinois Commerce Commission, who controls um, power in the state, pretty much utilities in the state, that they were planning to raise it seven percent residential and thirty three percent commercial. And so that they're putting out this, I'm going to raise it really high, and then end up only raising it on the average fifteen yeah. percent, which is still very substantial. But that is, well, that's very common tactic. Yeah. I mean, raise, the, raise the gas prices to $3 a gallon, and now everybody's like, oh, it's only $2 a gallon. <laughs> yeah. It's like... <laughs> it's sneaky strategy. I mean, that's what kept happening. They'd raise it, you know, 15 cents for a couple of days, and then they'd lower it down 10 cents. Yeah. And then they raise it 15 cents, and then they lower it down 10 cents. And that's how it happened all year long. And so... Yeah. It's a tactic. But yeah, so we'll, as any more news and images on that, we'll bring it to you, probably along with commentary as well. <laughs> See, for me, it's not as big of an issue for most people because, well, I make my own electricity. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is my business to know about energy in the state, so I do stay really connected to it. So. Yeah, and I do have aspirations to get my uh, energy from uh, other sources eventually, but since I am still tied to Ameren right now, this is very big news. <laughs> I want to... I have seen these, and I want to start figuring out a way to sell them, but exercise bikes that you can plug in the wall with electricity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen them, homemade ones, but I would like to make a commercial one. That would so, be good. Yeah, because just all those people pedaling away, you know, it's like, I think they'd pedal more. Yeah. I think, you know, if they knew they were making electricity and cutting them back on their bill. Yeah. So, uh, this is to inform you that the state has launched the Keep Warm Illinois campaign on October 30th, 2006. That's really good because, well, it's cold. It's chilly. <laughs> it's like, this campaign is a comprehensive effort to inform and prepare Illinois residents, especially the elderly, family with children, and persons with disability, for the record high home heating costs this winter. The goal of this campaign is to help residents across the state reduce their heating bills this winter by conserving energy, weatherizing their homes, and using the state resources available to them. Um, to learn more about energy conservation, Illinois' energy assistant programs, they have some substantial money available, how to save energy and money, and other available resources, please visit the website at keepwarm.illinois.gov. Older persons and or their caretakers can also call the Department of Health Care and Family Services toll-free number 877-411-WARM. That's pretty easy to remember. 877-411-WARM. Yeah, like 411-INFO. <laughs> right, INFO-WARM. So that's 877-411-9276. In addition, any calls from older people or their caregivers received by the department's senior helpline will be referred to, as usual, to the appropriate area agencies on aging. In partnership with the state, the Department of on Aging, along with their aligned... Now I'm just getting into the political part, or who's helping who. But the Keep Warm Illinois campaign is very, very good yeah. because it has the Illinois um, heat 
assistance program where if you have low income you can receive you know some money yeah even more than that it has a substantial long list of stuff you can do at no cost or low cost to reduce your energy bill yeah I'm gonna be looking into that actually the both the assistance and the tips you know I know we actually at my house we just got one of those thermostats that is you know digital and you can program what temperature it goes on at what time of day so, I so when you're sleeping, it'll be lower. Yeah. And, yeah, probably, you know, most of the day we'll have it at a low temperature, and then, you know, the time when we wake up, maybe, have it heat up so that we don't freeze when we wake up. <laughs> exactly. So, again, that website is keepwarm.illinois.gov. Yeah. So this has been an exciting, exciting and hopefully and informative. <laughs> yeah. We got to do a little ranting and raving about some local... Um, <laughs> News and happenings. Yeah. If you would like to have your news or, even more important, your happenings on your community spirit, please email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yes, and you can email me at treesong at treesong.org. Otherwise, it actually is sunny today. It is. It hit 25 degrees last night at my house. <laughs> But this morning, when I left the house, it was back up to a robust 45. Yeah, I guess the sun has its own uh, digital thermostat, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll see you again next week after the election. Yes, the election coming up on Tuesday. So, have fun out there. Well, I just hope people do vote. Because this is one of those half elections. <laughs> And, you know, it's halfway between the federal election and, like, half the people vote. So yeah. it's like the half election. Yeah. If, if an anarchist like me can vote, then I'm sure other people can, too. <laughs> there you go. Inspiration lights away, brings a sparkle to each day, makes the dark clouds go.
away, so let us let the children away. When you're with me, I can fly.